Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. People may not always see eye to eye with him, but they will always listen to his opinion. This is The Roy Green Show. To guarantee the summer construction season for the workers who are counting on it and to ensure the project is built to completion in a timely fashion, the federal government has reached an agreement with Kinder Morgan to purchase the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline and the infrastructure related to the Trans Mountain Expansion Project. Before the 2015 election, pipelines in this country were built without taxpayers' money. They were applied for, they were approved. And they were completed without a cent of taxpayers' dollars. The only thing that has changed between then and now is that we have a Liberal government. The project that is in the national interest and the jobs that will be assured and defended through this project uh, are an integral part of our plan to fight climate change and grow the economy for future generations. What else? What else? Jobs, climate change... And a positive future for future generations. Well, there you heard the voices of Bill Morneau making the announcement that the federal government is buying the Trans Mountain Pipeline Extension. You heard uh, Andrew Scheer, and you heard the Prime Minister. So this has been the uh, conversation in this country over the last number of days, along with the fact that the United States government has decided that there are going to be tariffs on Canadian steel and Canadian aluminum. We want to talk about all of these issues and what the impact is going to be on this country. Uh, We were expecting to hear from Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe. I don't know what happened to the Premier, but uh, I suspect we may be talking to him either before the end of the hour or certainly before the end of the program today. So uh, we'll keep an eye on a call from Premier Moe. Laura Jones joins us on, uh, on the show. She very kindly agreed to go a little bit earlier. She is the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business in British Columbia. And as you know, CFIB represents the number one employers in this country, and that's the small and medium-sized businesses. No, they're not the enemy. They are the people who do the employing. The enemy? Somebody else. And I think we know who that somebody else is. Uh, Ms. Jones has written some great op-eds for the um, Vancouver Sun. Trudeau must act forcefully to ensure a pipeline can be completed. That would have been good. And uh, another one was headlined, BC plays dangerous game in pipeline ploy. And a third one by Laura Jones was harming Canada isn't in the best interest of British Columbians, Mr. Horgan. Laura Jones, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Oh, thanks for having me on, Roy. So let's get, first of all, at the fact that the Prime Minister of this country did have every opportunity and the constitutional right to drive through this pipeline and over anyone's objections and where and if it was necessary to remove um, recalcitrant protesters. He had that right as well, but he didn't do it. Speak to that, please. Well... I think the bottom line on this really is that the B.C. government has a lot to answer for in putting Canada in this situation, for putting us in the situation where um, the federal government is now uh, looking at buying, um, spending $4.6 billion, $4.5 billion to buy a pipeline. 
um, and all of the risks that comes with it that a private sector company uh, was willing, uh, was, was so worried about that they were willing to walk away. So I, I think ground zero for bad behavior on this, I mean, is, is really the British Columbia government. Now, you know, we can talk about how the federal government might have done more sooner. We can talk about what the Alberta government might have done differently. But ground zero for this bad behavior comes out of British Columbia, basically creating mischief and mayhem with respect to a project that was already approved and undermining uh, the rule of law, undermining confidence in Canada. And so, um, again, I think that's, that's where it starts, and that's where most of the blame lies. Now, Mr. Horgan seems to feel that the fact that the federal government has agreed to purchase the Trans Mountain Extension, and I've received actually more than one communique from listeners suggesting it may be the beginning of nationalization of our natural resources industries, uh, people do remember the National Energy Plan of 19, what was it, 72, 73, 74. Um, Mr. Horgan seems to feel, and he stated essentially, that the fact that the federal government is going to put $4.5 billion or up to $4.5 billion of taxpayer money on the table for Kinder Morgan just broadens his options to continue to fight against the extension being completed. What do you make of that? Well, the bad behavior continues. I mean, here you've got a project. I mean, if you, you know, if you, if you wind back the, pl- the clock and you kind of you zoom out on this and you say, what happened here? I mean, here you've got a project that was approved um, by the National Energy Board, that was approved by the Cabinet, and was approved by the government of British Columbia. It was the previous government, but it was approved by the government of British Columbia. So it had all the green lights to go forward. Um, and then you have an election, and you have a government that, in order to stay in power, has promised to use every tool in the toolkit to fight the project. And I think there were a lot of people, and I heard a lot of people talk about this after the election result, that suggested that, you know, the premier would need to look a little bloodied by this to satisfy the Greens, but, um, you know, he certainly wouldn't do anything to kind of alienate the federal government, to alienate Alberta and Saskatchewan, to um, kind of, you know, really uh, uh, trample on uh, the Federation, to undermine the rule of law. But all of that has since happened as he's continued to, you know, not just use every tool in the toolkit in some kind of reasonable way, but to do it to kind of vandalize the Constitution. And I may sound like I'm being a little bit, you know, um, (laughs) this may sound quite um, harsh, what I'm saying, but I think that this bad behavior is very dangerous for the country. If all provinces behave like this, we wouldn't have much of a country. In a conversation I had with Premier Mo of Saskatchewan about a month ago, he brought up the fact that Premier Horgan is, was doing whatever he could to derail the pipeline project, as you've just pointed out, as we've all observed. And he also pointed to the constitutional powers that the prime minister and the federal government have to push this through, and he said, if, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, we have that clip, can you find it, please? Uh, he said, word, he had words to the effect that if the Premier of British Columbia is able to stop the completion of the pipeline extension, then the question becomes, do we have a country? Mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think it's an important, I mean, I think it's an important question. I, I mean, I do think the Federation is stronger than any, uh, you know, one province going rogue, hopefully temporarily. 
but I think it is very serious, and I think people are starting to wake up to just how serious this is. I mean, what you've seen is a business community that has been completely galvanized by this. Um, there's a confidence in Canada movement that started in British Columbia, and we now have 114 different associations from coast to coast, by the way, from Victoria to Halifax, who are so concerned about this that they've you know, signed on to a very hard-hitting uh, letter about this. And what I would say is that at its heart, the solidarity that you're seeing in the business community is not, is certainly not about pipelines, and it's certainly not about this particular project. It's about our deep, deep concern about confidence in Canada and what happens when you can't trust the processes and the rule of law in what's supposed to be a stable country. And, of course, this is having reverberations in, in boardrooms across the, the, the world who mm -hmm. are saying, hmm, not sure we want to invest there um, now that you can't trust um, the process because the process itself in Canada has gotten very onerous and difficult and costly and complicated and that's its own problem <laughs> and that's a problem we should be talking about um, but what happens when you go through that onerous complicated difficult process and you get a yes and you still can't count on the yes i mean that's not something that's supposed to happen in canada that might happen in you know some kind of um, developing country with unstable uh, rules but that doesn't happen in in canada and so it's, it's very, very problematic. I mean, there are the underlying issues, again, with the costly, complicated process. But when you then can't trust that once, the, once you get through that process, you can't trust the decisions, boy, that's, that's a problem of a different magnitude. And that has very, very serious uh, serious implications for the country. And Laura, the concern spans the entire business community. Frank McKenna was on the show the deputy chairman of the TD Bank, former premier of New Brunswick, and the former ambassador, Canadian ambassador to the United States, he made the same statement. He had the main, same concern that if this whole process has been taken care of, all the I's have been dotted, all the T's have been crossed for the pipeline's construction and completion, uh, and then it doesn't happen because of the various speed bumps and roadblocks that have been placed in its way, that we are also aware of, he said as well, that the international business and investment community is going to take a second, third, maybe fourth hard look at Canada and decide, well, oh, maybe this isn't a country that we want to really invest in. Maybe it's a country that we can't afford to invest in. And that's, that's, that's just doubly harming uh, the potential that we have. And the potential of this country, if it's managed properly, is unlimited. Well, th well that's absolutely right. And... Um, you know, the other thing is that we, while I'm not saying that the optimal number of projects to say, you know, that it's optimal to say yes to everything, it's certainly not optimal to say yes to nothing um, in now. this country. And that seems to be where we're headed. I mean, yeah. you I really um, do need to balance. And I think most Canadians are with the Prime Minister on, you know, we need to find a balance between, you know, economics and, and the environment. And they can and do go together. Um, but... We our our resource sector is in serious trouble, and it's thirty percent of our economy. And you know, I was just reading something from uh, Kevin Milligan, who's a UBC economist, who says, you know, middle class, the middle class, the health and stability of the middle class depends on our resource jobs. Um, another uh, retired economist from Scotiabank puts it this way, and I think it's a very good way to put put it: is that oil pays the rent in Canada. 
And, you know, I, I think we take these jobs and, and this sector um, for granted at our peril. And I was just looking at the um, CFIB's business barometer, which tends to be a good, accurate indicator of where the economy's at. And overall, things aren't in bad shape. But when you, when you scratch the surface there and you look at some of the sectors, boy, the resource um, economy is down 12 points in confidence. And so I think we have this is masking this kind of overall the economy yeah. doing okay in Canada is masking some very serious problems that we have under the surface um, that also cause regional tensions and, you know, tensions between the urban and, and, and rural very definitely. Uh, divides in this country. And now we've got the, you know, this other big uncertainty, not of our making, um, thanks to um, what's going on with the, the tariffs. The, can I get you to can I get you to hold on for just a couple of minutes? I have to take a break, and then I'd Absolutely. like to continue with you. Laura Jones is the executive vice president of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business in British Columbia. We'll come back to her, and we'll speak with Laura about uh, more about what's going on with the pipeline, and then, of course, as well, the uh, the tariffs imposed by the United States government. You know, you can say Trump and you can joke about Trump and you can throw your acerbic comments around. It's not going to matter ultimately. That's only going to make you feel potentially a little bit better. He is the president of the United States. He occupies the White House. He's in the Oval Office. And anyone who bets against him winning again in 2020 is silly. His approval numbers are rising significantly in the United States. But what's happening in Canada and what's happening to Canada is what we'll be talking about. Now, I just want to say this before we break and then go back to Ms. Jones. Mr. Trudeau, and I tweeted this, and it was repeated time and time again. It's not as though it was a great mystery that the U.S. may lower or may may lower the, uh, the boom with the tariffs on Canadian steel and aluminum. They said that. They said that. Trump said that. So Mr. Trudeau should have been doing everything he could as the Prime Minister of Canada. I know some people have excused him. That's a really short-sighted view of things. Mr. Trudeau should have been making every personal effort to convince Mr. Trump, because I think that might might have worked, to create a dynamic between Canada and the United States. I don't care about Mexico. Canada and the United States. South Korea was able to do it, and South Korea became the first ally of the United States to be excused from a tariff on steel. And what they did, and I've received so many emails, and people who sort of yell at me through email, at least do a little reading, okay? Do a little research. South Korea agreed that U.S. auto manufacturers would have more access to South Korean markets, which is what Trump wanted, and other products, but also more easily American products get into South Korea. In return, the United States granted South Korea absolution from the tariffs. They're now allowed to bring in, I think it's $2.6 billion I'll get the number for you exactly, Uh, tons of steel, metric tons of steel annually, which is 70% of what they were importing 
uh, or exporting into the United States between 2016 and 2017, so 70% of their previous total gets into the United States without tariffs because they worked out a deal with Trump. Mr. Trudeau was dancing in India. All right, so maybe that's a bit cynical. We'll come right back. Straight talk, no nonsense, honest debate. This is The Roy Green Show. Follow me on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Laura Jones is my guest, the Executive Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Independent Business in British Columbia. Uh, here's what uh, Premier Mo said, um, Laura, when it came to the issue of the Premier of British Columbia potentially torpedoing the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Our nation was built on the construction of some of these projects. And they've been very unifying projects for the nation of Canada. If a province such as British Columbia is able to stop one of these projects, it begs the question is, do we, do we still have a nation? Said it. That's from Premier, a Western Premier. Let me ask you in the minute we have left to give us your assessment. I wish we had more time, but I'll just have to squeeze it into a minute. Your assessment of this whole issue of the tariffs. Oh, gosh. Well, that's a mess. I guess the difference is that it's it's not a mess of our own making in Canada, but it certainly does underscore the need to not take the economy for granted and shoot ourselves in the foot with, um, uh, you know, things like the Kinder Morgan um, uh, mess. And but, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty on the horizon uh, for business, and we know that uncertainty is not good for business. Um, however, we also know that uh, the president of the U.S. It tends to be very, very unpredictable. And, um, you know, I guess we can hope that this may, this may blow over quickly, but we certainly can't count on that e- either. Well, he said that he'd like to have a separate agreement with Canada. He said that more than once, so we should be pursuing that. And when you see that South Korea was able to work out an agreement and, uh, for their, for their uh, steel without tariffs, 70% of the steel, then certainly I think the opportunity is available to Canada. So more on that file, and I'm sure the, uh, the pipeline as well. Laura, thank you so much for the time. Good speaking with you. Thank you. Take care. Laura Jones from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business in British Columbia. When we come back, he's a former Liberal Member of Parliament. He's extremely well-versed on all of the issues that have to do with petroleum. He's Dan McTague, now Senior Petroleum Analyst with GasBuddy.com.